Up next, we got a three-wide podcast coming your way. Mark and Johnny joined me to review what we saw at Pebble Beach, uh, talk about Daniel Berger, straight vibing. Uh, we go over Spieth in contention again, talk a little bit of Nate Lashley, Pebble overrated, underrated, properly rated. Uh, we get into the distance debate slightly and uh, rangefinders being allowed at the PGA Championship this year. We talk about that. And then we finally preview the Genesis Invitational. Um, and not to put this lightly, but this is a huge tournament on tour, and it's the biggest tournament we've had in four months. Uh, so really excited to see the field this week. It is stacked. It's at a great golf course, and this should be a ridiculously awesome week. Before we get into Riviera and previewing that event, I want to talk to you about the Golf Garage. Uh, located on Parnell Avenue on the north side of Fort Wayne, you got to check it out. Go in there for uh, club fitting, club repair, uh, use their TrackMan simulators, dial in your game right now in this wintry, awful, cold weather. Um, Matt and Dave... They will hook you up with whatever you need. Uh, there's leagues there as far as their simulators go. It is the place to be right now. Uh, the Golf Garage. Uh, check out their website, golfgaragefw.com. And here we go. Welcome to Your Best Bets. It is one of the better weeks of the year on the PGA Tour. We are at the Riviera Country Club this week in Los Angeles. We're going to get to that. We're also going to review what we saw at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am without the Pro-Am. Uh, talk a little <laughs> bit of Daniel Berger, Jordan Spieth. Uh, might get into a little distance discussion as well. It is the first three wide episode of the golf podcast since we started. Joining me is Mr. Mark Benneke. Mark, welcome back. Thanks, Phil. I'm happy to be here. Uh, obviously excited for uh, the three of us to kind of kick some stuff around, and I'm, I'm looking forward to the discussion. Definitely been waiting, waiting to have you both on. And without further ado, Johnny Strouser, the man. Johnny, what's up? Good, good to be here. Good to good to talk about this event. I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite ones. So let's let's do it. Yep, Riviera Country Club, iconic venue in uh, the United States. Before we get to that, let's talk about what we saw at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am. Uh, Mr. Daniel Berger gets his fourth PGA Tour win on a uh, pretty eventful back nine on Sunday, where we had four or five guys in the mix. Um, a lot of the guys that were on the top of the odds board going into the week were right there uh, with a chance to win. Um, so he's now won twice in the last eight months. Uh, before we get to, to more, um, you know, discussion on Berger, uh, Johnny, your thoughts on what we saw in the back nine on, on Sunday at Pebble. Well, Daniel Berger is pretty good player. And he, he came out of that, uh, that same class as, uh, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and get, didn't get as much fanfare. Um, obviously didn't have the, as decorated uh, um, amateur career, but still a good player in his own and, and uh, really, really, really battled out there and um, uh, played pretty tough, played good on the weekend. I'm other than 18 on uh, 18th hole on, on Saturday. He was, he was pretty solid throughout the entire, uh, the entire weekend there. And that, uh, that uh, I'm not surprised that he won. Um, I think he's a guy who who's got that kind of that that arrogant golf wise attitude where he knows he's better than just about everybody out there. And and uh, you know I think finally the the preparation maybe what he learned from the the COVID break, um, you know, with him winning at Colonial and then contending after that, um, I think that really. Uh, um, uh, is starting to propel him into that winning attitude. And I think uh, that the physical game, in addition to the, the mental game that, uh, 
he probably already had is starting to really uh, really take over. And I was I was impressed, and I see uh, him being able to keep up with his success going forward. Uh, Mark, what's, what was your thoughts on, on Daniel Berger? Straight vibing Daniel Berger. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll echo a lot of what, what Johnny said, Phil, I think, you know, for a guy that, uh, you know, gets it into a pretty funky position at the top of his golf swing, which, which I think we would all agree with, um, for him to make that move work under pressure, obviously he believes in what he's doing. And, and as to Johnny's point, I think this guy plays with such an arrogance. Um, I mean, you've got to have strong belief to take that move onto the PGA Tour, obviously, when there's lots of people in, in your ear, I would assume. Um, but I think, too, what really may have uh, helped Berger find this confidence, you know, he uh, lives now, if I'm not mistaken, in Jupiter, played some golf with Tiger, uh, you know, plays with Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler. So I think it really... Uh, just kind of goes to show, you know, those meaningless practice rounds or, you know, what we might think are meaningless. I think this guy is getting a lot of confidence uh, playing and practicing at home. So he goes out there, you know, fought injuries. I know he had a um, he won pre and I, I think it was a wrist and, and again, pulled out this week um, with his back. So really after the COVID break, you know, I think he's got healthy again and um you know, kind of the way he closed the event in style with, with what he did on 18 really was pretty emphatic. And, and I think it's just a, a testament to the competitor that he is. <clears throat> His uh, 65 on Sunday was about as easy as a 65, as you'll see. Uh, I mean, he was never in too much trouble. Uh, he made enough putts and, and he played 18 perfectly coming in tied to that hole and, and hit three perfect <clears throat> golf shots. Uh, uh, coupled with the uh, epic meltdown of uh, Mr. Nate Lashley on 16, uh, four putting for triple bogey, uh, ending a 175 to one bid for, to win. Um, good call on that, uh, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, um, he'd kind of been trending. He played well in, in Phoenix and um, you know he's a he's a streaky player, but a good player nonetheless. And I think uh, you know seeing seeing him play pretty well there, it was he was kind of looking like he could uh, he could do something there, and um, looked really good for a long long time. And I I thought Sunday morning that he was going to be the eventual winner there. I I was pretty. Uh, pretty confident in that. And he was, he was looking okay. He was baking putts. I think we were talking during the round there that he was kind of grinding over those, you know, three, four, five footers for par and finally kind of caught up to him when he got, had that real tough pin uh, on the, uh, on the back nine there and end up four putting and that, that pretty much sealed, sealed his fate. But I mean, with Berger going out and shooting 65 being solid as hell, I mean, that you really got to shoot a number. And I was thinking if he shot something like, 66 67 then Lashley would end up winning but it turned out he had to go deeper than that so one more thing on Berger I mean as Mark touched on he went through a lot of wrist problems and he seems healthy he he is one of those guys on a Sunday if he's around the lead I really trust him to close it out he kind of reminds me you've got that got that Patrick Reed mentality of um uh you know he's just a closer in my mind. I trust him in, in a match play situation. He, he, he kind of has that J.R. Smith syndrome to me, which is I, I, I'm probably not as good as a top 10 player, but I think I am. In fact, I think I'm better. Um, so I don't think he's got that top echelon talent, but the dude, he, he plays like it and he's got the mentality that, that you love where he wants the ball in his hands in the clutch. Um, so I'm really interested to see, I think the next step for him is, is being in contention in the major this year, um, you know, four tour wins age 27. He's definitely in the prime of his career. Um, so let's see if he can take that jump and, and get in the mix uh, in a major two this year. Um he, he takes down Lashley. He also uh, finally kind of avenges some, some, some tough Spieth defeats. And with Spieth hold out for Eagle on Saturday, I was like, here we go again. Spieth's going to do this to Berger. Um, but two straight weeks, Spieth has been in the mix. Um, his 
his putter seemed to let him down a little bit on on Sunday, and also his driver was was kind of all over the place on the back nine. Um, are you are you guys encouraged by Spieth, or are you now more, more discouraged not seeing him win one of the last two weeks of being in the mix? Well, right, go ahead. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I would still think you know for there seems to be a lot of of Jordan Spieth fans, and you know, rightfully so, obviously with with what he's done. Uh, earlier on in his career, I think I think you'd be hard pressed not to be encouraged if you one of were one of those Jordan Spieth fans. I think that um, you know for this guy to put um, you know two consecutive top five finishes together after he'd been basically not heard from, um, I, I think his game is is uh, trending in the right direction. To use his term, um, you know, I, I I think this week though is going to be. Um, you know, pretty telling, uh, you know, I, I, I hate suffering from, you know, do it again, prove it again. But if you look back, you know, Phoenix, while it's a great field, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the big guns were playing over in Saudi. And then last week, of course, the, the field at, at Pebble isn't quite up to par with what it's going to be this week. So I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he plays, um, you know, on, on, on a track like Riviera and against one of the top fields he'll see all year. I think that was putting it lightly that it wasn't a good field at Pebble. It was, it was not, especially compared to this week. Uh, Johnny, are, are you encouraged by Spieth? Or are you, are you kind of, you know, the jury's still out? I think, it, I think you have to be encouraged by him. I mean, the, the fact that he had two 54 hole leads on the PGA tour. Yeah. Yes. The, the fields weren't that strong and, and the golf courses kind of suited him The pebble. He's always had a lot of success at just kind of fits his eye. Um, you know, and he's, and he's, you know, Phoenix is, is what it is. He, he's played well there before, but is he ready to win again? I think we talked about it last week. No, he's not quite ready to win, but the, the attitude, the, the positive attitude is still there. He's still um, tough on himself when he hits bad shots, but the bad shots are still still there. And when he needs to hit one remotely close to the fairway with the driver, just can't do it. And that putter did kind of let him down. So, and like, just like Mark said, of course, like this, like, like Riviera is going to probably have him for lunch. I mean, this is going to expose him. Uh, as it exposed any golfer that's not playing that well or has has a weakness. So I'm encouraged going forward, not necessarily this week, but um, you, you have to be. I mean, to, to carry uh, consecutive 54-hole leads uh, on the PGA Tour. So hopefully he gets that win in uh, at some point this season, but I, I definitely think it can happen. You know, and Phil, really quick, if you don't mind, let me jump in. Just I want to get your take, Johnny. I think sometimes – Again, we I had mentioned that Spieth kind of moves the the needle for the casual golf fan, and it kind of got back, you know, to that front page ESPN type story with, oh my gosh, all of a sudden Jordan Spieth, yeah, he's been there twice, but he can't close the deal in the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. And again, not that Stephen A. was talking about this, you know, I, I think people were a little bit hard on him, just the fact, like, look, he didn't shoot. You know, he played better on Sunday at Pebble than he did Sunday in Phoenix. Um, you know, he, he, he was over par, and, of course, he shoots two under on Sunday. So I think, you know, I think that – I just wanted your take on that because it is so hard. And as you said, to carry two 54-hole leads in a row back-to-back, do you think people are, are asking too much for him too early? I mean, obviously, this guy has been down and out, no confidence. He's back. Or do you, do you think the, the pressure from, from media, I mean, obviously this guy's handled everything in his career, but that said, do you think golf fans are being too hard on him after uh, two weeks in a row with 0 for two and close? Yeah, I think, I think they absolutely, I think they absolutely are. I mean, you, you look though at based on his success with the major tournaments and the other, and the other events he's won and, and the, the times he's <laughs> contended that it, he, he gets, he has that enormous expectations and we as a society with, you know, how we expect our athletes to play is they can generally get it back quickly. You look at a basketball player, you know, football player, whatever, that once they kind of get into the groove of things in, like quote unquote in, in their sport shape, that it's just ready to go. But I mean, golf is, is different in, in that aspect that it, you know, 
a good golfer to a great golfer to an elite golfer. There's such a, such a uh, big difference there. And, and just take Tiger after he had, um, you know, after the, the scandal and then the injuries and whatnot, how long it actually took him to be, uh, he was at one time, you know, uh, an okay mini tour player. And then he had to graduate to be a good mini tour player to a PGA tour player and then end up, you know, winning the masters. So yes, we absolutely do. I, I think have too high of expectations for him. This is a process and you've got to learn how to win. You got to learn how to be successful in golf, especially with it being a four day event, 72 holes. There's a lot of shots that you've got to, got to hit and you've got to play all your foul balls. You've got to, to have that, that mental toughness and you've got to learn how to, to play that tournament golf. Cause as you've played, you know, tournament golf before I play it and you, it's, it's different than just going out with your buddies and, and, you know, it's, it's going to be there, but we've just got to understand it's going to take time for him to learn. He's going to eventually turn these 54 hole leads into wins and, and whatnot, but it's not just going to be an overnight process. Like, a basketball player coming back from injury, you know, it's going to take him a couple of days to get his lungs back. And then he's going to start, you know, making jump shots and scoring 35 a night, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, th- I think there's a lot of encouraging things, uh, especially with, with his iron play the last two weeks. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about at least last week, Johnny and I, and uh, as far as when he was, great and 15 16 17 was was iron play and i think if he gets that back you just gotta gotta find a way to get the ball and play off the tee and then he can really take advantage of of his strengths um and you gotta listen to michael greller uh on the back nine on sunday because that that guy's that guy's nails um uh two more things on pebble uh mav mcneely was that the club twirl the year on 18 it's gotta be it's gotta be right there in the i think it's Top five for sure. Best, best we've seen yet. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be right there. That, that took I think me the revolutions on the actual spin there of the club, the club. I mean, that was like, <laughs> that was high speed. That was tour level, you know, you know, speed. And that's Tiger Woods right there, after, you know, in his prime hitting a three iron, you know, laser beam type, type spin. That was, that kind of made me a little weak in the knees. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> It, it actually reminded me of Tiger at the President's Cup at Harding Park a few years ago. With, That's exactly I mean, what I was thinking. Yeah, the, the Harding Park just, one. Yeah. I mean, that was like the, you know, drop the mic for club twirls forever. Um, last question on Pebble. Uh, Pebble Beach, uh, underrated, overrated, properly rated? Johnny. Ooh, that's a good one there. With with the changes when they made it uh, for the the upgrades for the U.S. Open when they added the tees, I think it became slightly underrated because traditionally it had been not the most difficult of golf courses. And, and they when they firm it out in the summertime, it it can play tough. But they had some tee boxes there that really made it made it interesting. Um, and when they could firm up the greens and make them tour quality greens rather than when they have the actual amateurs there and it's it's soft. The pins are easy. It's it's it can play so much easier. But I I was really impressed. I mean, I, once they had the U.S. Open there with those new tees and everything, I was like, okay, I, I kind of really like Pebble now. And seeing it playing without the AMs this week, I was uh, um, I was pretty impressed by it. Man, that tee box on ten was awesome on Sunday. That was so good. That was awesome. They need to do more of that yeah. that kind of course setup stuff. Uh, at every tournament, especially on a Sunday, yep. uh, Mark, I'm interested to hear what you have to say on this. Yeah, I, I think I think that you know I I think there might be some traditionalists out there that 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 kill me for this if they're if they're tuning in to the show this week. But I think Pebble sometimes uh, it's just a little bit of a novelty. You know, it's it's probably the most recognizable, maybe the most two recognizable golf holes on the face of the earth with with the seventh and the eighteenth. Uh, but you know, if you, if you look at some of those other holes, I don't think there's a better, uh, you know, maybe a, not a tougher three hole stretch between eight, nine and 10. Um, you know, so no, I, I, am always a fan of it. I think it's, uh, I, I personally have not played Pebble beach, but I think it's a tournament that, you know, especially for us guys here in the Midwest, it's kind of always been, uh, you know, hope that springs around the corner, you know, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun tournament to watch. You, you get all the, 
you know, all the vistas, all the views, you know, so that's great. But, um, you know, from, from a golf course standpoint, I think, I think that, uh, you know, the, the 2000 us open proved, um, you know, that that golf course does have teeth unless, unless there's, you know, a guy named Tiger Woods playing, but, uh, no, I think it'll always stand the, the test of time and, and seeing the new things that, that they have done. You'd mentioned the tee box on 10, they played Sunday. Great course. I think it'll remain a great test. I mean, it's not going anywhere, but I would, I would say properly rated. I think from, uh, you know, I, I think most, um, again, I don't, I can't speak for tour players or, or you guys even, but, um, you know, I think, I think to the casual golf fan, I think it's oftentimes overrated, uh, but you know, always, always a fun event to watch and, and you know, kind of what to expect. <clears throat> My answer would be, uh, properly rated though. I think largely mostly <laughs> course, uh, overrated, uh, because I, I think like you said, Mark, the, 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 the holes, the coastal holes, the, the six, the seven, eight, uh, nine, 10, and then, and then 18 are awesome. Um, but there, there's a lot of holes that don't do a lot for me, but uh, I, I understand the green complexes on a lot of those holes kind of tell the story. If you look at like number 11, or, um, you know, 17 is obviously a very iconic par three. So I'd say a lot of the course to me is overrated, but the, the, the coastal holes are awesome and they make up for it. Um, and I mean, it's it, this week's proved to be an awesome tournament. And I want to say CBS shout out to them because a lot of the drone shots on seven were ridiculous, um, you know, over, over the water. I mean, it kind of, it, it really portrayed that hole in an awesome light and even eight, nine. I love, I love what CBS is doing. Can't believe I'm saying that. I don't want to get into coverage takes, but I think it's been a lot better uh, some of the cameras, uh, even even the hard cameras around the greens, a lot just it's just better. And uh, so I've been impressed with them. Uh, I'll see if they can keep it going, um, guys. I don't want to spend too much time on the next two two things, but I do want to get your thoughts on it. Um, and we we didn't talk about it last week, but it came out last week that the uh, PGA of America is uh, going to allow. Um, uh, basically range finders at their, their three major championships here, uh, including the PGA championship. Um, and, uh, with, with the idea of improving the flow of play, um, that was sort of the main theme of that. Uh, how do you guys feel about this becoming a, I guess, you know, implemented in a major championship and not just a regular tour event, but a major for the first time, uh, Mark, you want to start with this one? Yeah, I, you know, it was certainly a topic of conversation last week with with the guys around the golf shop. And I think that, you know, my my biggest thing, um, yeah, it's certainly not going to hurt anything. But I think any um, any attempts or any efforts on, on this sole decision, helping out pace of play, I think it I think it kind of whiffs. And, and the reason I say that, Phil, if you look at obviously you guys have seen the yardage books that they that those guys are looking at. And, uh, you know, very, very rarely are they looking at one number to the pin, you know, of course, if, if, you know, kind of the, I, I think it's going to kind of become an overplayed take here over the next week or two, as, as this is discussed, you know, if guys get it way offline, of course, it's going to help maybe speed up play, but most of those guys are, are looking for a number that covers the front edge. Um, you know, they want to know how many paces there are between, you know, the back edge and, and the right edge, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think it's good, you know, and, and I think it's really going to, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really buy into the fact that I saw, I read an article today on golfchannel.com and they were talking about how it's going to help players who, you know, their, their caddies might not do the homework, you know, it's going to, be a disadvantage uh, to the, to the best guys out there on, on the bags. I, I, I don't really um, buy that because I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. <clears throat> okay. Johnny, your thoughts. Yeah. I, I kind of agree that it, it's not going to be a huge difference because those yardage books are so complete. They're so thorough. The, the caddies, you know, do all their work. The guy who creates the yardage books, they're, they're so accurate. 
it is not going to speed up play. In fact, I see it as potentially taking a little bit longer because you're going to compare yardages that they, they shoot with the laser versus what they step off. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot like, you know, a lot like the square groove versus the U groove thing a couple years ago when they thought that was going to make a huge, huge difference. It probably ended up making some, but it's not going to really, really do much. Um, I don't particularly like it just because I'd rather not have them, you know, have that shooting the yardages and everything like that. So I, I think it's a, it's a, it was a big announcement because it was a major championship, but in the end, it's not going to accomplish what they want it for. And I think it's just, just, it's not going to, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It's, it seems like the resounding thought on tour with caddies and players was, was, you know, I think it was kind of an unfavorable uh, feedback. Um, You know, uh, I saw Paul Tesori who caddies for Webb Simpson said he didn't like it. Uh, He doesn't believe it's going to speed up play. He mentioned if what's, what's going to happen when, you know, like the range finders off a yard or two, they still have to run the numbers. Um, by the way, when did when did Webb Simpson and Paul Tesori become like the authority on everything? We got Webb Simpson coming out on the distance debate, and uh, now Tesori's making comments. I mean, who do these guys think they are? <laughs> I, I don't know. That just happened, and it was like, okay, I guess these guys are these guys are it. I don't know. Uh, no, I just, I mean, I like Webb as a player, but uh, you know, it, it's it kind of interesting to get his opinions. And um, the second, the second thought uh, or the, the topic that I want to talk about, at least just a little bit, guys, is the uh, a couple of weeks ago, the USGA and the RNA uh, taking sort of the next steps in the distance discussion. Um, you know, and I guess they call it the solution phase. Um, this guy. I mean, if you want to talk about blowback, I mean, I, I know Rory came out and was strongly against um, sort of all of the funding they've put into this and, and the research. Um, I don't know if there's a great answer to this, um, but I'm definitely interested on both your takes on, on first of all, and, and I talked about this with, with Scott Pierre a couple of weeks ago. He was, he was, you know, he basically said there is not a distance problem in golf. I, I somewhat disagree with him, but I'm interested to see what you think. Uh, Johnny, go ahead with, with your thoughts on, is there a distance problem? And if, if there is a solution, what is it? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, not in, I don't know how significant it is, but if you, I mean, you just look at how far everybody hits the ball and how they make these, these golf courses, you know, fairly obsolete with, uh, you know, even, even these longer ones. And, you know, these guys can hit these long irons and, 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 and I mean, they bomb drivers and, and, and everything. And it seems, but it does, I don't know if it really takes the, the skill or I guess creativity, the artwork, whatever um, of the golf swing of, of putting of, of curving the ball and everything. I mean, a few years ago, I, I thought that they should kind of curtail the, the advancements on the golf ball just because it was seemed to be going pretty far. I mean, for someone like me who who doesn't hit it as far as, as those tour guys, you know, I don't mind it because I can I can still kind of get it out there. Um, but for the pros though, I mean it's 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 borderline and it doesn't take away from anything that would you know, a guy like Bryson or, or DJ or Rory, I mean, those guys, you guys hit it a mile and, and more power to them for having that type of golf swing and, and the, the, uh, the work ethic, you know, in the gym and everything like that. But, you know, I think it's just, it's taking these golf courses that weren't built for 350 yard drivers and 190 yard seven irons and, and kind of making them, you know, kind of, you know, reducing them to, to, to wedge, golf courses. And I think that's, uh, that's hurting a lot of these classic places that were built, you know, much, much shorter. So as for a solution though, I mean, they've just got to, I, I think in some way, I think it's the golf ball itself that um, <laughs> they're, there's pushing the limits to. And, and if they can somehow reduce that by, you know, just, just eliminating just a few yards here and there, I think that's a way to do it. But I mean, you're, then you're talking about rolling that back and, these manufacturers are, are, are going to, they're going to hate that. I mean, 
And, and do you do it just for pros and not for amateurs? I mean, for me personally, one thing why I take golf so seriously, why I like it is because I like to play with the same equipment that they play, play these golf courses and shoot my scores and see how close I can get to these guys. And if you're going to reduce their golf ball and make them shoot higher scores, it's going to be like, well, you know, I'm not really, it's not really what I'm into. So yeah. I don't know if there's a real good solution for it, but it's just one of those things that it's, it's a good topic to see what they do going forward. Yeah. And that was my thought as far as, like you mentioned, golf courses becoming obsolete or at least becoming a driver wedge fest, especially on tour. Um, to me, it's, it's, I'm most interested in tournaments where I got to see, you know, mid to long irons coming to the greens and you just don't see that anymore. Um, and especially like I, I, I mentioned before, about <laughs> course, like St. Andrews where, I mean, you can, get to the front edge of a lot of these greens in the right conditions and a, a classic all-time course like that now i mean it's it's just plays totally different um i know bifurcation has been mentioned i'm i'm, I'm a little bit interested in that we see that in baseball um obviously it's a little different with golf um you know what if what if, what if a really good amateur wants to turn pro um, you know, with different equipment, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot behind that, but I'm, I'm least interested in that. Mark, I know you have a solution to this. <laughs> no, I, 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 sadly, I don't, um, you know, and I think, I think uh, whether bifurcation is the solution, obviously that's been talked about here. It seems like for the better part of the last 10 years, um, you know, I, I think, if we do see a change, it's going to involve, you know, conditions of the competition. So the PGA tour, you know, if it's a PGA tour sanctioned event, could we see a circumstance where the golf ball is rolled back um, or the, the COR limits of, of driver heads are rolled back? I, I think that's, uh, I don't think that's out of the question. You know, I, I still think we're a ways from that, you know, just, just to kind of talk more um, in general terms, I, I, I think I agree. Um, I think there's a distance problem um, for, say, the top 10 players in the world, okay? There's not a distance problem in the game of golf, but then it, it kind of boils down to, you know, if you look at this, I, th I think the athletes are just changing, and uh, I think the PGA Tour is – you know, in, in a tough spot because, you know, these guys are still independent contractors. And I, I understand as the, as the game becomes more global, you know, one could argue it's, it's already there. I think it's just going to be too tough to get all of the governing bodies who, um, you know, administer professional golf. I, I think it's going to be too difficult to come up with a consistent solution. So I, I think we're just going to continue seeing, uh, you know, seeing the trend, is it, is it out of the realm of possibility that the USGA um, implements a rule similar to the PGA of America, you know, with the rangefinders? Could the USGA say, hey, starting with the 2025 US Open, these are the heads that you guys have to play with. They can't exceed these certain limits. Um, you know, I, I think it'll just be interesting to see going forward. I think, I mean, for anyone that wouldn't say uh, distance has not change the game you know i would i would uh you know just just ask that person to take a look at the numbers and see how the driving distance averages on the pga tour have changed over the last 25 30 years and you're going to see a um, you know a substantial increase in distance and you know i think if you look at some of these winning scores and again we're talking about winners right so i i think the cut lines historically are, are hovering around the same points, but, you know, you see some of these winning scores at classic layouts that are just going lower and lower and lower. And, uh, you know, to Johnny's, uh, to backtrack on Johnny's Nate Lashley pick last year, I, I believe Nate Lashley won the rocket mortgage at Detroit golf club. And Johnny could probably tell us more about that, but what did, I mean, what did he shoot 29 or 30 under par? So, I mean, again, not a, uh, you know, not, not exactly an iconic golf course, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things. But if you're, uh, if you're a Michigan resident, obviously Detroit golf club, I would imagine there's some history there. And, you know, Nate Lashley has proved that it's not the test that it once was. So I think, I think there is a distance issue solution. That's why, that's why we, there's these podcasts and guys kick around their ideas, but 
I mean, it's going to be hard to hard to figure it out. But I think there is. Uh, I I think the USGA was right to do the distance study. I think it's in their best interest. Um, you know, and I rarely say this, but I think Rory missed the boat a little bit just with with how outspoken he was. I think he, you know. Uh, I, 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 Mike Davis mentioned, you know, looking out for the next several hundred years. Ago. Um, I really appreciated that quote. I don't know why. Um, uh, also, a significant amount of Nate Lashley references in this podcast. I just didn't see that coming as well. Um, yeah. Um, all right. We'll put a wrap on that. Not a great answer, but a lot of great ideas and a lot of ideas that have been discussed for the last couple of years. And uh, interesting to see where this goes in the next five years and the next 200 years, according to Mike Davis. Um, this week, we have one of the bigger tournaments on tour, I guess, it, arguably the biggest tournament on tour since the Masters, four months. Um, and that is the Genesis Invitational out at Riviera Country Club. Um this course I mentioned before, it, it's it's sort of an icon in uh, in the United States. Um, it's been lengthened to over 7,300 yards. Plays at a par 71. Um, Poe Anagreens, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of top names win here the last 10 years. We've seen a lot of out of nowhere names win this tournament as well. Uh, John Merrick, uh, James Hahn. Uh, but we've seen stalwarts like, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, Adam Scott, those kind of guys win. Um, uh, traditionally, it, it, it rewards really solid ball striking uh, and uh, making your short putts on these Poana greens within five feet. Uh, I, I think I saw a stat that Pebble and, and, and Riviera are the, you know, the most the highest percentage of missed putts within five feet on tour. <laughs> and that's because of this, this bumpy Poana. Um Initial thoughts on this tournament, guys. It's one of the elevated status tournaments on tour, along with the Memorial. Um, I, obviously, it's it's a, it's sort of a, a lower key crown jewel. Um, before we get into the field, uh, uh, thoughts on on the golf course and, and how this week it might play, Mark. Well, I, I, I think you're going to get uh, what we come to expect from Riviera year after year, as you mentioned, uh, looking at the looking at the, um, uh, you know, past winners here, past results. It, it has sort of been a, a mixed bag of, of who's won. Statistically, you would think it's going to favor a ball striker that, uh, you know, can can drive it a long ways. Uh, obviously, when you when you talk about uh, you had mentioned Phil, the number of short putts missed here. I think it's going to be super important to get the ball close to the green in regulation, um, or close to the flag, excuse me, in regulation. Um, interesting stat though, obviously tigers, uh, not in the field this week, but his struggles have been well-documented here. Never won. Uh, I, I, Jack Nicholas also never won here at Riviera. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think again, it's going to, uh, to me, it's going to have a way of separating, you know, maybe not who's going to break out and have a huge 2021 season, but it will identify the best player in the field this week. Uh, and, I, and I'm really looking looking forward to that. Johnny, what are you uh, what are you looking for this week or, or key key metrics that you're looking at? Well, exactly. What, uh, kind of playing off of what Mark said. I mean, you look at like, like Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus never won on this golf course. You, you generally, when we when we do these podcasts, we always want to look at certain metrics, whether it's the strokes game, the, the ball striking, the iron play off the tee, you know, whatever it is here. Those are all important here. But this golf course is one that it has got to fit your eye. The guys who love this golf course always play well on it. And so I think what I'm going to really look at is um, guys who've had success here. Um, you've got to be playing well. You've got to have all the shots in the bag because it demands that type of thing. But if this course does not fit your eye, like like Tiger. I mean, Tiger played it when he was 16 years old in the, the old Nissan Invitational. Um, and since then has played it poorly all the time with it basically being a home game for him. So I'm going to look a lot at that. I mean, you've got to hit the driver well. you got to keep it in play because of the big trees. 
you, you got to get it on these greens and, you know, off the, uh, away from the bunkers and, and short side yourself. And the POA greens are, are as we've always said, you got to hit solid putts. But if, if a guy doesn't like this golf course, it, it will, excuse me, it will uh, um, definitely um, expose them, um, you know, throughout this tournament here. So I'm going to look at, at some of those ball striking numbers, but I really want to look at tournament history. Uh, the, the 10th hole is, uh, I guess one of the most famous sh- short par fours in the world. How, how many references are we going to get this week about, about the 10th hole? I, I mean, like over three and a half, as far as being one of the best fours in the world. I'll take the over. Yeah, it, it, I'm going to hammer the over. At that. I mean, it, it, it is a great hole. I mean, it's a fantastic golf hole, but it will get, it will get mentioned. Um, Let's get to the odds. And, and, and before we get to the odds, um, uh, we haven't given you a, a winner since Patrick Reed won at Torrey. So we've, we've been over to the last two events, but uh, Johnny had Nate Lashley last week. Um, he did not bet him for some reason, but I did. And uh, I, w- I was, I was, we were close on that one. Um, so let's, let's see, let's see if we can get one this week. Um, starting with the top of the board, here's the guys under, under 20 to one, under plus 2000. Uh, Dustin Johnson's the, the, the massive favorite at plus 550. Uh, Rom at plus 1200. Rory at plus 1200. <coughs> JT and Xander, they go off at 1400 and 1550. Cantley at 1600. Bryson at 1700. Those are the guys under plus 2000. Uh, Man, it's hard to differentiate some of these guys at the top because a lot of them are playing really well. Um, I guess to start with DJ, is this is this a well? Johnny's already mentioned he bet him. Um, I was going to ask if it's unbettable, but uh, Johnny, you must still feel pretty confident that DJ is going to get this done. Yeah, I mean he's playing so well, and and this he loves the golf course. Fits like like I said, it, it fits his eye. Always seems to play well. He, I didn't put a huge bet on him, but I knew that this is going to be the best odds that we're going to see him at uh, all week long. So if you want to get a piece of him, it, you might as well get it right now because he's not going to – I don't think at any point when he's got a chance to win, he's going to be better than plus 550, you know, 525. So I threw a little bit of my betting budget on him. I didn't put a big number, so the payoff wouldn't be that great on it, but – I, I still think it's it's worth it just because of, of how well he plays here. He has seven top twos in his last ten starts. I mean, it's been an insane run since August. Um, he was what plus four hundred, I think, or plus three fifty last week before he pulled out. So plus three fifty. Plus three fifty. So plus five fifty in this field, which is totally stacked. Twelve of the top fifteen players in the world. It's 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 a strong price, um, Mark. Who do you like at the top here, and and there is there a reason why you would like that guy over you know some of the other guys at the top? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to look for a little bit more value from the guys at the top of the board, and I'm going to take. Uh, I'm really eyeing Rory McIlroy. Rory has uh, he's actually second to only Dustin Johnson. Um, in 16 career rounds here at Riviera in strokes gain against the field. So he's picking up a shade over two and a quarter strokes per round. Um, I, I like Rory here again, good pass history uh, tied for fourth in 19. And then he, sh- I think he was tied for fifth last year in 2020. So um, good results as of late around Riviera, um, you know, certainly I think this kind of has that feeling of, could be the event that really kind of sets Rory onto this hype train leading up to Augusta national. You know, I think he, uh, I, I think he, it's time that he sort of reminds everyone that, Hey, I'm, I'm still right here and I'm still young and I'm still playing as good as anyone. So I, I really like Rory this week. Um, I mean, you can never go wrong with liking Rory. And by the way, I'm, uh, I'm really impressed with the, the, the numbers and the stats right away with the strokes gained. I mean, uh, past history, Mark's doing his research this week. I love it. Um, I, I'm kind of liking uh, Justin Thomas at plus 1400 on for that number. Um, I mentioned the, the ball striking category, which looks at strokes gained off the tee and approach combined. Um, he's six in this field. I mean, it's all the, the top names that are, that are 
the top of that category, but JT has a good history here. He should have won this tournament in 2019 when, uh, you know, JB Holmes stalled his way to a victory um, with his, I don't even know, dramatically slow play. Um, he puts Poa okay, but um, he's second around the greens as well uh, in this field. Uh, I just I love JT at plus fourteen hundred, and I don't think he has won since St Jude in the summer. So I I feel like this guy wins every 10, 12 tournaments. I feel like his time's coming. Um, I also don't mind Bryson at plus seventeen hundred. I mean that's a good number on a guy that's just he's just gonna bomb away at this golf course and. Uh, distance off the tee is key as long as he can keep it uh, away from those those tall trees we mentioned um, I think he's got a at least a little bit of, of value at that number um, anybody, anybody else you guys like as a secondary pick under that plus 2000 yeah I like uh, I like Pat Cantley uh, played well last week this is a home game for him I mean, we went to UCLA so he played here weekly in college Um I think he's trending that way and he's got the all around game. Um, he, you know, really struggled at spyglass on, on Friday, which kind of, kind of killed his chances, but he, he put the ball really, really well. Uh, at Pebble on the weekend, um, likes Polana greens, um, good ball striker, good all around game. And I, I think the, the pretty solid play from, from last week, even though he was the tournament favorite, you know, you, you'd think he, he would win. He still played well in, in, uh, in those conditions and, and, and contended for a while. Um, he's a guy I'm going to bet because I think, uh, we could see, end up seeing him win. Mark, Mark, what about you? Yeah. Well, uh, uh, you know, again, look, looking at the top guys, just maybe because the only name we haven't mentioned, uh, I mean, I, I, I like, I like John Rahm. I mean, to, to Johnny's point though, I mean, I think Cantley. He's going to get some action for me this week, but but if I'm I'm forced to to throw another name, I like John Rahm. Um, not super experienced around Riviera, but uh, had a top ten. Uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year prior, but uh, you know I, th I think John Rahm's going to be a guy that that simply, if nothing else, can can sort of ball strike his way around this place. Um, a golf course, though, that you know, you, you've got to remain patient on, you're not probably going to get rewarded for every good putt you hit. So it'll be interesting to see how Rom can handle his emotions, but, uh, but, you know, you figure he's going to be, uh, he's going to be somewhere on the first, first couple pages come Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I mean, again, these, the guy at the top seven, eight on the Osborne, it's the most of them are <laughs> playing well. I mean, we haven't talked about Xander. That guy's been on a tear. Uh, he just mm -hmm. hasn't won. Um, Cantley has been on a tear. Uh, so it's, it's, you really couldn't go wrong selecting any of those guys. Uh, if we want to go down to the, to the mid tier, uh, Finau at plus 2200, Brooks Kepka at plus 2500 coming off a win. It feels a little bit low. Um, Morikawa at plus 33, Hovland at plus 35, Defending Champ, Adam Scott plus 4,000, Jordan Spieth at plus 4,000, and Hideki 4,500. Those are the guys under 5,000. I, I don't know. Brooks is kind of interesting to me. I mean, he hasn't historically, I guess, finished well here, but I looked at his ball striking numbers at, and his two starts here, and they've been pretty good. Um, I, who, and who knows, this might just be, you know, Brooks, you know, he comes out round one, shoots a 73 and then he's, he's like, okay, I'm packing it in. But I love what I saw in Phoenix. I mean, could, could we, could we see something for Brooks again this week? Yeah, I think so. I I, uh, um, I I think he's a lot more committed um, since he's kind of come back as fully healthy. Is is him wanting to uh, to get to to get those wins? And and I know he he continues to focus on the majors, but this this golf course doesn't really set up great for him. And he's a he's a Bermuda greens uh, putter, not a not really a, a POA, but I mean. 2,500. That's, that's pretty good odds there. I I'm going to probably throw a small amount on him just, just cause you're not going to see him at, at plus 2,500 very much. Um, I mean, does he do I really like him more than those, the, the first tier guys that we mentioned? Not really, but in that second tier, he, 
he kind of sticks out to me as the the guy I like the most. Um, Mark, what about what about Brooks, and then if not anyone else in that range? Yeah, not. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't see Brooks Kepka, um, and this is based off kind of more of a hunch than anything. I, I sort of agree with Johnny. I'm not, uh, I just don't think, I, I don't know a whole lot of, of past experience here uh, as it pertains to Brooks Kepka. A guy that I do really like, though, in this mid tier uh, is the only three time champion in this field, and that would be one Bubba Watson. Uh, Bubba sort of, you know, was finally heard from a couple weeks back in Phoenix. Um, you know, I, I think he's top 25 finish in Phoenix. It was good to see him playing well. Uh, obviously, um, you know, again, if uh, looking at, at numbers here that, that do work and, and so much of it is just <coughs> past experience and whether or not the golf course fits his eye. I mean, you, it's hard to argue that, that um, this golf course probably fits Bubba Watson's eye better than anyone else in the field. So uh, I look for Bubba. I, I definitely am going to bet Bubba on a top 10 this week. Um, but I think he's, you know, going to be a guy that's going to be there uh, down the stretch again, just, I mean, he is this, this guy obviously can, uh, as proven time and time again, that uh, albeit in his own little way, uh, he'll be there. And uh, I love Bubba this week. Uh, yeah. Bubba at plus 5,000 uh, plus 450 for a top 10. He is fourth in this field in ball striking, um, not not in the top 100 in uh, putting, uh, which it's, that's in the last 50 rounds. So that's a, I'm, I'm not I'm not being an naysayer, Mark. I'm just I'm just telling the facts here. Um, uh, in that range, I I'm kind of interested in Morikawa as well um, at plus 3,300. He seems a little undervalued. As well. Um, I mean, this is this is a California kid as well, and we know his iron play is awesome. Um, and with him, it's always about short putting. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I trust him there, but plus 3,300 is a good number. Uh, any value or, or I guess anybody taking a chance on Spieth continuing this run? I think we mentioned this isn't this isn't a Spieth track. It doesn't feel like. I am not. I'm. I. I, I don't feel good about this golf course. And like I said at the beginning, I think he's going to get a little bit exposed. Um, I mean, hopefully he makes the cut and and continues to play pretty solid. But third week in a row um, after, you know, some, some letdowns, some Sunday letdowns, you know, in in theory, and I hope, I hope, like I said, I hope he doesn't, but he could end up missing the cut. So you could always take a look at that bet. Um, I just – I don't see this golf course as being – uh, overly friendly for him. Um, hopefully, he proves me wrong. But no, I'm, I'm gonna I'm passing on Jordan this week. Okay. Uh, as we go down the board a little bit, uh, between plus five thousand and plus uh, ten thousand, Mark, I know you got a couple in there. You like? Yeah, love. Um, I like uh, like love Max Homa this week. Max um, played well here last year, tied for fifth. I mm-hmm. uh, kind of did it based off of a uh, great iron play, great putting. Obviously Homa's in good form heading into this week. Love him. The, uh, the last I saw he was at plus 5,500. Um, and then one more before I get into my, in, getting my flyers for the week. Um, I really like Jason Kokrak as well. Don't really know about, about Kokrak's form, but obviously um you know, has proven over the years that he can play well in the big events, winning the CJ Cup at uh, Shadow Creek last year. Uh, I, I think that's a guy that drives the ball long enough and straight enough. Um, you know, if, if he can get the wedge play dialed in, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Kokrak also has a good week, you know, kind of in that top 20 tier. Uh, yeah, Kokrak, uh, famously before last year, <clears throat> saying all in, all in on 2020, uh, and, you know, finally got his first win. Uh, Max Homa actually at plus 7,000 on DraftKings, uh, Mark. Uh, Homa, I love him this week, too. He's been playing great. Struck the hell out of the ball last week at Pebble. Couldn't make anything on Sunday. He also has said Riviera is his favorite course in the world. 
Uh, I remember who said that last year. So he's he's played it well. Um, and it feels like he's trending. It feels like he's trending in the right direction. At worst, at plus 500 on the top 10. Um, Johnny, who you got in this range? Plus 5,000 to plus 10,000. Well, exactly what Mark said with Bubba. I, I know he doesn't totally fit the putting metric, but again, this is this is course history. Loves the golf course. At plus 450 top 10, at least I think he's worth, <clears throat> excuse me, worth at least a nibble on that. And I think Max Homa is going to be our, our bet of the week here. Um, I would throw a little bit on a win bet on him with a little insurance at plus 500 top 10. I mean, he is, he's absolutely trending. Confidence is up. I, I, I don't, I don't see him having a bad week here. So I'm going to, I do like him looking at the rest of the guys. Is is uh, is Will Zalatoris? Is he finally going to have a, a a real good week here? I mean, Great he's kind of flown under the radar here these past couple weeks, as you know, being the the guy and not really playing well, and maybe nobody's talking about it this week. Well, him and Romo, I think him and Romo, Johnny, are going to have a pep talk here, and I think Zalatoris is going to be in the hunt, if nothing else, based off this Tony Romo pep talk he's about to get. Uh, oh, that's fair. Sorry. We're, we're, we're going to hear that that link to Romo with him for a long time, just like we hear, oh, did you know that Max Home is a big presence on social media? I, yeah, I haven't heard of that before. Um, I I like Zalatoris. I, I, I wouldn't trust him to win, but I, who knows? Uh, Matthew Wolf at plus 8,000. Haven't seen him this low, but he has not been playing well lately. Um, I, I'll echo both your sentiments on Homa. I'll definitely be betting him to win. Um Cam Davis at plus 10,000. Even last week at Pebble, he played well. He hits it a mile. And he's been playing really good for the last two months, even from uh, Hawaii. And uh, I kind of like him. Um, Guys, I I really think – I mean, I think a top 20, 25 player is going to win this tournament. But there's always – it's always kind of fun to throw these guys out here, you know, the plus 10,000 and above. Um, it's, you know, and you grab a top 10, uh, to even top 20 on these guys. It, it usually offers a good number. Uh, <laughs> man, Ricky Fowler is 150 to one. That's amazing. I love it. Um, who do, who do, who I mean, do we like? It, who, it, is deserved, it, it is deserved. He's been, he's not been good for a long time. Mark, that's your guy. Well, I, you, you, uh, you, made such a strong pitch that Ricky was going to win the Phoenix open that my pocketbook followed your, your thought. And uh, again, I, I know we only remember our wins, so I didn't mean to bring that up, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit cold on Rick this week. I think he's going to uh, continue to struggle. Um, you know, a couple, a couple names in, in that, that area that probably, uh, to have little to no chance to win, but, but I am going to throw out a couple guys that uh, are in good form as of late one being Cameron Tringali uh, plus 10,000. This, uh, this guy has been playing well. Um, not, not sure on the past history. Um, I think Matt Kuchar is interesting if nothing else, based on a runner up finish here last year. Um, I'll, I'll take him, maybe take a look at him. Uh, but then Matthew Naismith playing well, JT Poston, and then a really interesting one, um, if for nothing else, that uh, it was listed as a notable in the field this week is one Cameron Champ at plus 25,000, a guy that's uh, winner on the PGA Tour. Uh, obviously, we all know he, he hits the ball eight miles and uh, wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for a, uh, a top 10. <clears throat> I like that play. I like, I like, you know, taking a chance on the guy that has a superior skill that really fits well with this golf course. Um, Lanto Griffin to me at 150 to one. Um, I, I like his ball striking ability here. Um, I don't think he's got much course history. Um, but if you're looking, this is where you look for a skill or two that really, that really could help the, these guys stand out. Um, I mean, at least we don't have to talk about Kenny Pigman this week down down the board. <laughs> that disappoints me. 
That, that's that's sad, but we'll get through this show without talking about Kenny Pigman. Um, uh, what about Harold like- Varner the third at two hundred fifty to one? He was in the mix last year at this tournament. He had that famous top that CBS didn't have uh, on the coverage. I mean, to win, I don't know, but I mean, a top 10, top 20 bet's got to pay really, really good. Um, But I mean, he really hasn't done, no, I don't think he's done that much here lately. So I I would, I would kind of be, you know, buyer beware on him. But Maverick McMillio just sticks out to me. I mean, this is this is a home game for him as well, uh, plus a thousand at at a top ten, and as well as he played this last week here. Um, you know, I I'm I'm definitely gonna gonna bet him. Again, I don't know if he's gonna win, and I don't don't think he's got much uh, a huge chance. But if he he he's a good player, and and I I like him. I do like uh, J T Poston as well. Um, it's going to be really hard to find a winner in this, in this bottom part, just because, I mean, there's, you know, it's just going to be such a top, top loaded or, or favorited field there. But um, a couple of guys like Cameron champ, I like him first round lead um, as a possibility here. Cause he can, he can get hot and, and could end up leading for a couple of days or, or contending. I mean, plus 1600 for a top 10, that's, that's, that's pretty good for, for something like that. And I mean, he can just hit it by, you know, a lot of the trouble and, and whatnot and end up having those short irons in the greens. Yeah. Mark, uh, I, I know you're dying to, to throw out a couple names. I, I know you mentioned a Sepp Straka uh, reference earlier, so let's get that over with. <laughs> my, my, the, the Sepp Straka play of the week this week is Patrick Rogers. Um, Stanford. Oh my God. <laughs> Stanford, uh, Stanford grad, comfortable on the Poiana, Indiana ties, top thirty finish here last year. Uh, I'll take I'll take Patrick Rogers for a top twenty bet. Johnny, one thing I wanted to get your take on, and I, I don't want to go for too long here, Phil, but one of your old competitors, Willie Mack the third, on the Sifford exemption this week. Yeah. Odds of Willie Mack uh, performing actually a fantastic article on golfchannel.com yes. right now um, about Willie Mack and, and a little bit of what, what he's um, dealt with in his career to get to this point. One thing that I found interesting from that article was he had mentioned something after he got the, um, the invite to play farmers a couple weeks back, he said that he was tired of people telling him, well, that's okay. You played well. And he said, no, like they don't understand. I'm here to win. Any uh, any odds of Willie Mack the third playing seventy two holes this week? Yeah, I actually bet uh, when he played in Farmers, I bet him a couple bucks, top forty. This that was more of a last minute thing, but I think haven't given him weeks to prepare for this. I mean, he could make he could make the cut. the The guy though is is really really driven, and anybody who hasn't read that article on Golf Channel by Ryan Laverne go read it. I mean, it is incredible. The the stuff he had to go through. I can remember him when he was this five foot two little dude at the golf dome. And every time I'd go there, I'd go there every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, and then even sometimes after, after school, him and his dad would be hit balls there every single time. There's, I don't think there was one time I would go there in the wintertime without him having a big basket of golf balls that he was just beating. His dad would just sit there and watch him quietly. You know, they were, they would just uh, uh, um, go about their business and everything and had no idea of, of that after reading that article yet yesterday about the stuff that he had to go through. But amazing, the, the resilience of him. And, and I hope that he can find his breakthrough because I think he's got that type of that type of mentality where if he doesn't win, I mean, he's not going to survive. And I think that uh, if he could translate that into – some success with having some money in his pocket and, and um, being able to play consistently. I think he's a guy who could, you know, eventually make, make a small name for himself if nothing else, but cool, cool, cool story though is I encourage anybody to, to read that and just to see what the, what the, the dude's gone through. Uh, top, top 40 bet on, on Willie would be uh, plus a thousand. So might be fun yeah. just to, to kind of root for him and uh, have something in the mix with him. Uh, Mark, I want to go back to Pat Rogers real quick. If you 
if, if Pat Rogers wins off of your uh, endorsement, I will retire the, as host of the podcast and I will give it to you because I've been, I've been personally this in this guy's corner for six years now on tour. And uh, the one week I wasn't going to mention him and you do, then that, that's just, uh, that'll be, that'll be the, the mic drop for me. <laughs> you, you, know, you, know what, you know what they say? Like the old quote is, don't give up because the moment you do, you're, you're like an inch away from greatness, right? So don't give up on, on P-Rod yet and uh, look, look, for, look for a big thing. And when I say big things, potentially a top 20 finish. Yeah, got it. Uh, final thoughts, uh, Johnny or Mark, on uh, Genesis? Uh, I'm going to throw a, a couple matchup bets here. We'll get them. We'll get them put on the Instagram account here, but but uh, on the DraftKings, I like uh, two that I saw right off the bat. Here is Max Homa uh, minus one eighteen uh, over Jason Kokrak, and you can pair. Let me see here, and then I like uh, uh, Bryson DeChambeau minus one twenty five over Tony Finau. Always picking on now. Always, uh, Mark. Have to, yeah, have to. Mark, you got any other final bets, thoughts on Genesis? Um, no, I, I, I think I'll stick there. I'm going to give, um, I think I'm going to give throw out one name. Just be interesting to watch uh, the Genesis Invitational, um, the collegiate exemption goes to a kid named Angus Flanagan, University of Minnesota. Uh, this dude had a gutsy performance, won in a playoff uh, to get into the field this week. Just be interesting to watch how, uh, how he plays. Obviously, the, the college ranks are fun to keep an eye on just because, you know, obviously college golf, unless you're a real insider, sort of goes, uh, you know, these, these names show up sort of out of nowhere. Just keep an eye on, on his name. Interesting to see how he plays, uh, getting his opportunity to play with the, the big boys. <clears throat> All right. That is noted. Um, my my play is going to be uh, uh, this one's a little bit, I guess, off the board, uh, you know, compared to, to normal. Um, the top European, um, I'm going to take a chance on Victor Hovland at plus 600. Um uh, he's third on the board behind Rahm and McElroy. I think uh, as far as ball striking goes, Hovland is a top five, top 10 ball striker on tour. Um, so I'll take my chances with him at plus 600 this week as the top Euro. Um, as Johnny said, we'll get all these picks up on Instagram, your best bet pod. We'll have all three of our best bets. I think we all like Max Homa. I think we all sort of like Bubba, you guys more than I do. And then we got a couple of guys at the top as well. Uh, guys, this has been fun. Uh, we had to do this again, all three of us soon. Uh, Mark and Johnny, thanks. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Phil. Thanks, Johnny. We'll see you guys. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, big week coming up uh, with a huge episode uh, coming out, I think, Friday. Friends, Seinfeld debates. It's coming. It's happening. The episode I've been waiting for. Can't wait for it. Uh, thanks for listening again, and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>